Hey everybody, my name is Joshua T. Berglund and welcome to Gratitude Unfiltered Remix. Today we are in for a treat. We have the one, the only KJ, the comedian here today. Uh, as you guys know, I'm a huge fan of comedy, and um, but I'm very, very into the backstories of comedians. And so this is a treat for me. Uh, whether, you know, it's, 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 it's funny because right now I think the world could use some humor and... Um, and I'm, I'm excited about our guest. I've been watching some of his clips uh, from his different comedy and routines. And I just, I think you guys are going to love him. I really do. So without further ado, I'm going to do a small, uh, we'll play our little intro video here. And then uh, we'll bring on our guest. But you guys are in for a treat. You don't want to miss this. And thank you for supporting the Live Mono Worldwide Multimedia Broadcast Network. And if you're watching on social media, do me a favor and share and tag a friend, especially those friends that could use a laugh right now. We all have a bunch of those. And uh, we'll be back in two seconds. I'm Welcome to Gratitude Unfiltered Remix. I'm your host, Joshua T. Berglund. And with me, right next to me, is the man, KJ the Comedian. KJ, what's your last name? Uh, my last name is Javid or Javid. You can say it. Javid or Javid. You can say it either way. I'm going to call you KJ the Comedian. Yep, KJ is, <laughs> KJ is what I say too. Because <laughs> a lot of people mispronounce it. In Africa, it, it comes from Northern Africa, it's Javid. And, and it's supposed to be pronounced to be, but most people say Jabay. My wife even says Jabay. So I like, babe, whatever. I ain't finna argue with you about no damn name. <laughs> <laughs> well, first things first, what are you grateful for today, man? You know, I'm grateful for life. Um, life, uh, people forget the essence that when you, when you have, when you come from a source, and maybe I'm being a little spiritual, a little philosophical, but you can you come, be spiritual here. <laughs> and when you come from a source that awakens your energy, awakens you to the chakras with the sun, the moon, the creatures, which we all are one with, and it's just it's just a a, a happy feeling to have to be awakened and and one with life. So I'm just happy to be alive and living and. And, and a, a representative, hopefully, of, of light and uh, positivity. I like that. What's your necklace mean? Uh, my necklace is my birthstone. This is a, uh, like an amethyst. So I'm in the stones, and I try to create. I love, you know, nature and energy. So this is my birthstone, which is in February. And is it black? It's is it the black one? No, it's this. It's, it's, I'm it's, colorblind. See, it's just it's, it's like a. a and yeah, I can't. I, every time I try to pronounce the word, I make myself look stupid. Man, I was a teacher and mispronouncing a whole <laughs> oh <my> lot <laughs> So when did you like? So I mean, obviously, I want to discuss comedy with you and mm -hmm. kind of what some of the things that you have going on. But what was what got you into spirituality? Where you started seeking something more? Um, I think. I study a lot of stuff. Like I study comedy, I study acting, I study writing, I studied as a teacher, I wrote lesson plans, but then I think the most important thing, I start studying life, just like not as like forms. I just wanted to understand dimensions beyond forms, timeless dimensions, things that people identify, mind identification things. So I just want to go a little bit beyond, a little bit deeper. And just basically understand who I am as a as a human being. Like I'm a spiritual being living a human experience. So to to understand myself is to be able to understand life better and to help others. So you would you would agree then that 
the spiritual realm is more real than the natural. What we oh, see. Oh, absolutely. Here. We just we just spiritual beings living a human yeah. experience. Every at the end of the day, the great equalizer is we are all decomposed and turned back to rot, dust into a box, or or you know, up under the ground. Yeah. And so that's the great equalizer of life. And people think that uh, death is separate from life, but it's not. You know what I mean? Explain that. Well, death is never, it's a part of life. It's, right. it's, just, it's just a dimension, you know, like it, like your birth and death. They are the same. They are the same. Mm -hmm. People try to make them different, but they are the same. That's your, you know, the, the, the lifespan sometimes. In our country, we we so you know we think top to bottom linear, it's circular. It it just comes back around. You know, you go, you're born from a source, and then at the end of the day, that dash after that dash, you're coming back to that same source. So, do you? So that means you believe in reincarnation? Yeah, you can be. Yeah. So I've so here. Okay. So I'm probably one of the most different followers of Jesus you've ever met, mm -hmm. in that. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Mm -hmm. I tend to side more with the spirituality of Jesus as opposed to, like, you know, the spiritual but not religious people, because mm -hmm. I ain't religious. No. And I'm not the religious Christian either. Right. Right. So, I mean, I believe that there's a spirituality in following Jesus. And again, I that it took something supernatural to get me to turn my life around, because yeah. you can see this stuff yeah. up here. I I, mean, I was the devil, man. Right. <laughs> it right. was right. I was an evil dude. Right. That was before Jesus got a hold of me. That said, in in the Christian world, in religious world, you know, they're they look down at reincarnation or the thought of that. What I've never understood was, and I'd like your thoughts on this. We, if we're just flesh, dirt, and we have a spirit inside of us, and that's right. what makes us alive. Right. And after you die, like even with like when Jesus is to return, like no one after you die, you don't go immediately to heaven. That's not what you you're 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 chilling until right. Jesus comes back in your grave. So that means your spirit's floating around. So how could you not? What I don't understand is if okay, now my spirit's left my body, my soul's left my body, then where did my soul go? And if I believe that. Demon, I, I believe in demons, I believe in angels, I believe in spirits. So those souls go and they can enter other people because I've been possessed. So I know what that's like. So how well, I guess what I'm getting at, how can you not believe in reincarnation? Right, right. Yeah, you a lot of people don't understand that. Like I said, that there, there's a separation in their mind. Yeah. Know, they are identified with with death as the end of life. But death is truly like let's take the force. Mm -hmm. The forest will have decomposed leaves and stuff like that. And right. Forest, it looks like it's dead, but really it's fertilizing life. It's coming back. It's re is is it's just never really went. Because if you mm -hmm. if you believe in the creator, like you said, you don't ever you don't ever die. No. You your spirit it it lives on. It never dies. It it just goes into different dimensions. I mean a lot of stuff. We don't understand in terms of like I'm not into religion or I'm not I don't practice dogma. I just study, you know, the Creator and, and yeah, and and just want to know who I who, who I am as as a as a human being. Hey, I, most most a spiritual being, you know, too. I know most people I know are still searching for who they are. Yeah, yeah. So, so who's KJ? Who are well, you? Well, KJ, like I said, I'm a, I'm a, uh, I'm a very spiritual being just I'm an artist um I'm a very creative person mm -hmm. uh, I love making people laugh and think uh I love entertaining people educating people I love um just uh being a positive influence so um I'm just kind of representative of, of what I believe in which is you know the source of, of my creation you know um a lot of people like to give it a title or whatever sure. I just kind of like to you know, just call it the creator. You know what I mean? I think God's okay with that. Yeah. I I mean, and, and, and the, he's a man of many names. So, yeah. I, so yeah. I don't get caught up in yeah, that, the name of that either, yeah. I, so. which goes against it. So I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. I want to ask you before we talk about comedy. Okay. Can you, from your perspective, because I, so I, I 
did not live in Minnesota mm -hmm. at the time. Was actually at the Bloomington, um, the Element Hotel in Bloomington, when uh, here visiting a couple years ago, when two two Mays ago, when the riots broke out. Okay. And uh, that's actually what led me to stay. Okay. From your perspective, can you speak what that was like to see somebody from the community that mm -hmm. you know that. You, you grew up in Minneapolis, right? Yeah. Well, I'm originally from Omaha, but I, I've been here since 1989. Okay. So you're I, local. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, local. Yeah. You can say that. Yeah. Um, I got here. Uh, I, I was working out in the NBA summer league and I had NBA dreams, worked out in the free agent camp. Um, I had a couple of teams, a little bit of interest, Minnesota, North Carolina. I had an auntie live here, a cousin, a grandmother. And I remember calling my auntie. I said, hey, how is Minnesota? And she's like, my, she gone, she passed away, Auntie May. She said, oh, you love Minnesota. The white girls love brothers. And I was like, <laughs> I was like I'm on my way. <laughs> so, but, That's a whole other conversation I want to get into. <laughs> but anyway, I came here and, uh, and um, I worked out with them. I didn't make it. I damaged my ankle real bad. Uh, but anyway. I wound up getting into teaching and, and then I realized that as a teacher, I was trying to find creative ways to motivate kids. And so comedy and poetry was, was the best way to reach them and, you know, to channel their energy into uh, learning. So I want to go back to that answer your question. No, well, it, it, it does a little bit, but I want to get to from that. That, my, that was not my first impression of Minneapolis or the riots and what had happened. Because what I've known, what I've learned about this community is that is it's the most unique, different, eclectic, eccentric, diverse yeah. community I've ever seen in my life. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, everybody gets along. Yeah. yeah. So when you see what happened in your city, mm -hmm. I can't claim to be in my city. No, no. How I, did that affect you? Hey, well, let's let's go. Let's talk about that because yeah. that's an interesting point. Um, when you see it happen, and for me, it's it's a it's a culmination of of a lot of things happening, not just in, in this city. This happened to be the city that it erupted in. Yeah, where where the injustices, Good point. Good point. the injustices, all the inequalities, all the the economical disparities, all that just, it just boiled up in a pot and exploded. And America had to see it. And it just happened to be in Minneapolis. And these, it just happened to be one of those things where, where people didn't want to really understand it until it, it was televised live. A man, a police officer's knee was on a man's neck for a long and, time. For a long time. And, and, and the world's, was forced to see this and then the world took a minute and then the world became severely aware and and and, and angry about and, you know oh all over the other countries oh we experienced this injustice too in london and all over the world and so minneapolis at this point uh, a city that's considered real liberal um mm -hmm. it had to birth a ugly truth Mm -hmm. and the world had to see it and i witnessed it live and i was out there you know and just you know i couldn't stay out a long time but i had to see it and i was like wow this is if you lived in la you if you knew the rodney king thing the watts kind of mm -hmm. thing it's similar to that but it's it's more profound than that because yeah the it just been happening the the police brutality the the economic the job injustice the housing injustice all that when you talk about housing injustice not to interrupt you but you're talking about um gentrification yeah yeah redlining yeah redlining that, okay. all that and so it just it just boiled and now uh because of that america is forced to look at its ugly history you know what i mean and america has a ugly history we do you know what i mean and people don't you know they try to brush it from their work but like i'm a little bit of a historian too like um you know so for 400 years um you know what i mean we have you know uh, uh people uh who 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 
who are not natural immigrants who you know who are forced to be here forced to contribute to america's uh, development through free labor which is called slavery and you know and still never it's like uh, a comedian said we, we we love this country so much that we just want to get that same love back and and now that right that uh george floyd thing that's what it opened up it opened up um wounds yeah and it, and, it, and it was it was horrifying to see it was uh i mean to see the witness of man die live i mean it's horrifying and um and so now reforms are happening police departments are you know have to reform they have to you know people say defund the police police i don't agree with that defund the bad police officer mm. like that we need police yeah and i respect them a lot my father tried to be a police back in his day but you know he had to he couldn't do it because of racism you know at the time you know they threatened to kill my grandmother and my father like i'll blow this whole mf <laughs> police station up you know and so he that was that was his first love that he wanted to do he wanted to be a public servant and he God. couldn't but he wound up before my father passed away he was a big influence of my comedy he wound up being an engineer he was a firefighter oh. he was a chef before all that happened he ran his own cab stand his own janitorial business so i was taught entrepreneurship at an early age yeah on, on how to to maximize life like he's like man just try it a lot of stuff just you'll find something that that'll gravitate to you or that, that that that'll be your niche in life but mm -hmm. he said but you won't know until you try and in my father's favorite saying nothing beats a failure better than a try and i like that yeah he used to say that he said try as many things as you can in life and then what you, you'll find your passion but you're gonna have to try you're gonna have to survey a lot of things in life and, and so him and and uh my grandfather and grandmother you know they're both <laughs> educated my grandfather was a uh professor at Wally College in East Texas and you know my grandmother was a teacher there and they moved to the Midwest and and uh, I remember I didn't I never got a chance to see my grandfather a lot because he passed away when I was young and uh my grandmother she would be 80 something and my dad took care of her nine nine days and so I remember also compassion and, and stuff like that and i got a lot of lessons like my father you know we he, he he was funny man i mean he drank a lot but he was a great guy you know and nobody's perfect in this world no. but, but he gave me some great lessons so yeah. what was the biggest lesson you think you got from your father well you know like just to keep a sense of humor like he was he hold it down he's a liberal comedian man he he had all kind of one-liners. Remind me a little bit of a mixture of Red Fox and, and uh, Richard Pryor and George oh, Carlin. So, oh man! So yeah, dude, that's quite the trifecta. Yeah, 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 all, <laughs> all the three things. Holy you know. jeez! Yeah, he he used to just oh man, he used to. I was I was a lot of his punchlines. He used to, he used to get me man a lot. He used to have have man. He had I he used to get me man. He's I'll tell you one story. I hope. Can I cuss on yeah, here? Is you it, can cuss. Uh, I, I don't cuss a lot, but I'm not a language police okay, kind of guy. Cool. <laughs> so, so anyway, uh, I remember coming home from Southern University of New Orleans. I think I was at, um, yeah, my freshman year, and I gained like 30 pounds. Right, I come home, you know, I got, I'm looking chunky, you know, I got a big stomach. <laughs> I see my father and my cousin standing there, and I walk up. Uh, he said, "Boy, you got a big stomach on you." you know? <laughs> And I'm laughing, I'm like, oh, Paz, you, you know what they say about a man with a big stomach. I said, more pushing, more cushion, more love for the ladies to have. <laughs> he said, you know what they say about a man with a big stomach? I said, what? He said, it's like a tombstone over a dead dick. <laughs> Every time you go to get some, you have to dig that motherfucker up. <laughs> and my cousin over there bent over laughing. I said, what you laughing at? Your stomach ain't. Ain't too much smaller than mine, you know. So we we get into a conversation. I said, "Good, look at you. How you gonna laugh at me? Your, your stomach looked like somebody kicked you in the ass, and everything went to the front, my dad. <laughs> my dad over there. So we had we had definitely didn't care about fat shaming. We was just just throwing at it. Boy, 
Yeah, yeah. Oh man, my dad just he chiming in. Yeah, boy, you look like you got a kangaroo pouch. You know, <laughs> get them whole chickens out your pouch. You know, my dad, my dad roasted them all. You look like you've been eating whole chickens. You know, my dad just going in. I ate a whole chicken last night. As a matter of fact, I'm gonna I'm I'm getting on the treadmill as soon as this is over. No, uh, but you look like you work out. Like you, 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 you yeah. Work. So I can eat. That's the okay. only reason I work out. Well, that and to keep you from killing people. Um, I want to ask you though, so I, I want to segue away from the subject about race, but I do want to ask you this because I do agree with you about it forced people to look at a truth, an uncomfortable truth. Mm -hmm. Now, mind you, a lot of lies and other things were, you know, sprouted out of that because we can't, I, I, we can't trust the media. Right. That said, I don't care about that. What I care about is how can like myself, how can someone like myself contribute to the healing to be able to break these cycles because look i i'm fortunate man i i grew up where it was it was just about the person mm -hmm. and i grew up curious so like the people that look like me i didn't really have much interest in right now i wanted to, to get to know people that look differently than me okay but that that's when i was young now i just know that you know i mean really we all are our creator's children yeah. We're not that much different. Yeah, we grow up in different situations. We go through life. We all have our our own unique situations. That said, I'm more interested in bringing people together and elevating other people. Mm -hmm. So what is it that we can do to help? I mean, I, and this is all of us because it's not just because, oh, it's the white dude. He's got he's responsible for healing all this. It's not about that. But as a as a human being, what can we do to contribute to help the healing? Well, I think. Yeah, by educating others uh, about, you know, focusing on like help providing solutions to the current crisis here, you mm -hmm. know, like your peers, uh, organizations uh, participating in maybe mentorships or programs or like just educating people who are so naive to the current situation. Sure. They need to be educated and then maybe on a, on a political level, you know, um talk about or how how help pop or there are policies that need to affect change so yeah making people aware getting people to support policies that affect change mm -hmm. whether it's in the government or local government or city council or or you know the mayor office you know getting active into the community and helping um people make educated people about policy that makes that a, that makes change sure because right? the only way the world is going to get better is is if people want to see change people want to help change like people are a lot of people are just comfortable in their own space because it doesn't affect them right but in order for the community of the world to get better they have to get out of their comfort zone and come out here in the world and and help build policies that affect change or participate in young people's lives and help them see other opportunities, especially the disadvantage, help them see opportunities in life. Because a lot of, you know, kids, they don't see other opportunities mm -hmm. in life. A lot of, we have a lot of broken homes. We have a lot of single parent, uh, you know, and, and I'm not saying that you can still be successful coming from different family dynamics. And this is all across the board, you know, um, people need to see that, that there are opportunities and that they can contribute to making the world better by, mm -hmm. and especially with young people, by their attitude, their outlook, optimism, uh, how they carry themselves, their character. And, well, that's and, a good one. and, and <clears throat> young people need, like, I would say this, social media and technology has been a blessing and a curse because yeah. <laughs> i mean yeah it advances us to a point where yeah we understand how to you know take care of the body or we you know, we have access to information at the at, but it takes away the steps too <laughs> it's true it takes, it takes away stuff for young people uh, it started i think is limiting their social skills mm -hmm. you know what i mean like they can just go like I hate when my son texts me. I'd be like, "Hey, call me, <laughs> goddammit. it! What the hell are you texting me for? I'm old school. <laughs> call me. Don't text me talking about you need some money. Call me. Let's have a conversation about why you need this money and when I'm gonna get my money back." 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Don't text me. You need, I, and they know, they know I don't like that. So, yeah. So, but that's what I'm saying. Their, their world, the millennial world. Oh yeah. I just, nah, 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 nah. We crumbled. When we grew up, it was old on the wall and you had to talk to somebody. As a matter of fact, uh, because it wasn't mobile, the phone stayed in the house. You had to go out <laughs> in the community and enjoy life. And then if you missed the call, you know, you come home, there's an ass machine or somebody wrote your message down. It's different now. It's kids. way different now. And see, we losing. Technology is making us lose social skills, I think. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, I'm grateful that you decided that you were going to come here as opposed to having to do it digital because it would have been a no, shame. No, I wanted to meet you, man. I know. I wanted to meet I, you, too, I, but I, it would have been a shame to be like, I like, I like 30 being, minutes away from each other. No, I like being in person, man. I yeah. love being around people. I feel people's aura, people's energy. I, I, I feel people out when I'm a comedian because I can say if a joke is edgy, I can feel them, you know, booty cheeks getting tight or drawing back. <laughs> I can feel people's energy, man. And that's the thing about being sensitive as a human being mm. because my sensitivity makes me a better artist. Ooh, I like that. It makes me paint pictures with my craft as a wordsmith, as a comedian. It makes me paint pictures, kind of like what Davis doing now. Davis painting different pictures of America through his art, through his art form as a comedian. He's painting pictures and people, ah, they don't want to hear it, you know, and he, you know, people get the wrong, they selective listening, not active listening. They didn't hear the part about his friend got killed, who's trans, they didn't hear all that. They only hear what they think they need to react to. Now you got to hear the whole thing. For sure. You, you can't just react to what, oh, that's, that's bad. The man is telling you a complete story, but if you only selectively listening and not actively listening, it makes a big difference in how you formulate your opinion. Yeah. Oh, I 100% agree with that. So with comedy, mm -hmm. you got into it following your dad's footsteps, or did you already um, know that this was inside of you? I didn't even know, man. It's just something I tried. I had told a story about a brand new workshop about my dad teaching me how to drink. Uh, because when I grew up, the drinking age was 18. And so I would be at home. He like, go in there and make me a drink. One day I went in there. He said, I said, what you want? He said, yeah, it's some scotch. I want some uh, sweet and sour. And uh, it was some soda water. And so I went in there and made him a drink. And he came back. I said, here you go, pop. He said, oh, boy, you got too much water. And just go in there and, and try it again. And then we got a house rule. You can't waste nothing. So I went in there and drank it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and I made another one. Came back and said, Boy, you got too much uh, sweet sour here. Go on there, try. You're going to get it right. You're going to get it right. Go on there, try. I drank that one, right? Oh, and I went in there and made another one. And then I got it right. It was so good. I drank it and I came back. He said, What was my job? I said, I brought the bottle and all that. I can't drink no more of this shit. <laughs> you're going to have to make it. You got to show me. He said, What you do though? I said, I drank it. He said, must have been good. I said, it was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so I told them that story. They gave me a full scholarship, man. And I, I did like, um, I did a, a brave new workshop, which is sketch comedy. Mm -hmm. It's like Second City of Chicago. So I did a whole year, did all the classes, did plays afterward. And then I had one instructor said, you should try stand up. And then I would, uh, Go on stage and I was doing sketches, man. I wasn't, I had to buy about five or 10 joke writers. I was going on stage that first year was true. I was bombing, man. I was like, I was like over in Iraq bombing, man. <laughs> I was bombing, man. So I said, let me, let me get it, let me get it right. And I got the joke writing books. And then a few, I started writing real lot, a lot, man. Start studying the threes, observation, reverses. I started studying uh, storytelling, the, all the different uh, personas of comedy, because I'm very complex. Uh, I could do a one-liner. I could do a traditional joke punch setup. I can do an observation bit. I could do a storytelling bit. I have all these different types of writings in my routine, and so which makes me feel like I have a great handle on it, and I feel very unique in that regard. But but yeah, just being uh, learning how to write and then learning how to perform. It came in where uh, I had the sketch comedy, I had the improv background, and then I took uh, 
classes at the Guthrie, Guthrie Theater, major theater here. I understudied a little bit at Penumbra or Black Theater. And I just started immersing myself because I want, and you know, the competitive side of me wanted to get better every time. I was like, how can I be better than my yesterday? So I would just really be engaged. And I, like I, and then like a few years later, I was at the forefront of YouTube, me and a couple other comedians, Ace Tibio, Kevin Kraft. We had about, I, we did a spoof on on, on uh, Burger King. Like when you met the three guys, they would come to Burger King. Oh, excuse me, sir, we got a burger. And, and so we took, we took it and did like a black version, a yellow version of it. And man, we didn't even know it was gonna go viral, but it had 20 million hits on two sites. Yeah, the Whopper Freakout, yellow version. You could Google it, it's still on YouTube. Wow. Yeah, and then we did Popeyes, we did Gas. All of them had millions and millions of hit. This was like 11 years ago. I was at the forefront. I had like over 100 million views, man. I didn't know how to brand it, man. I didn't know how to brand it, Josh. I was like, oh my God, nowadays I'm thinking. And then I look at the stuff that's going for, like, oh man, I was killing it back in the day. and didn't even <laughs> know what I was doing. I mean, I knew about riff and rant. Sure. I, knew, I knew about the, the premises of, of, uh, of, of, uh, using improv in the sketch. I knew that, but I didn't know the business side. So now today I'm learning the business side of what I do. Cause it's even hard with the with COVID. It's even hard to get back into the rotation of certain comedy clubs I was in because the bigger names have dropped down. There's no, a lot, a lot of arena comedy and stuff like that. So all the bigger names that came down to the comedy clubs and you got to get in line. And so, and then like some of the, the whole business side, the whole process of, of booking is difficult. Like I'm still waiting on LA comedy club, Matt Shevis to get back to me. Like I've been sent this dude a personal video. Hey Matt, how you doing, man? <laughs> you know, trying to do something new, you know, send him like a personal video. Like, man, I want to meet you. I want to work at LA comedy club in Las Vegas. You know, so the process with comedy, uh, the stage time, the stage performance is very fun. But behind the scenes, uh, the business side, you got to have thick skin. You just got to have that perseverance and determination because, you know what I mean? You give me a no today, I say, that's okay. I'll take a yes tomorrow. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's my mentality. You give me a no today, but I'll take a yes tomorrow. It's, you know, that's interesting that you say that because it's the same tr is true for acting. Yeah. You have to have thick skin. I mean, there's times... There's times that I've just thought I've nailed it. Like I am the one. Like this script is my life. I right. can act my way through this, no problem. Mm -hmm. And never get a call back. And I know I ace the audition. There's times that I have the worst audition ever that I get picked. Yeah. Like how, how does this happen? Right. But you have to fit the vision of that person. So yeah. with comedy, and I noticed this. Well, I'm friends with a bunch of comedians, and I the history of comedy, as I've already shared. I'm, I'm really into it. I love comedy. But after going to comedy shows and going during COVID, it was just, it was sad to see that that, it, that business is struggling even still. Yeah. It, it's not the same as it used to be. So I'm curious, what do you think it's going to take for these comedians to go, you know what? Okay. Well, I can't get on stage here anymore. So I'm going to go create my own stage, meaning my own digital stage, mm -hmm. my own digital space like right. this, yeah. like what's keeping comedians from just utilizing the media technology that's available and going off on their own? Well, see, the, the thing, the difference between digital and live, I mean, a comedian, we can't guard a joke digitally. We have to have a live ah, audience. A good answer. Yeah. Really good answer. Yeah, we have to have a live audience to gauge whether a joke is, is working or not. And then and, and what's happening, it's slowly coming back. There are comedians that are, they're, they're getting breweries, they're getting wineries, they're starting their own rooms, and people are slowly coming out. But then you got the media that, that creates so much fear with the variants that, you know, and it makes people uh, be reclusive. They stay home and stuff like that. But people are starting to realize that they need that laughter. Laughter creates the happy endorphins, the happy mm -hmm. serotonin, serotonin and dopamine, dopamine and, yeah. that comes out of the brain. So people need laughter. Laughter is like medicine, man. It's yeah, like it it's like popping an ibuprofen, <laughs> but better. But it doesn't better. burn yeah. your stomach. It doesn't burn your liver or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, but like it's coming back, but it's just a slow process because you got to understand we've been on lockdown for about a year and a half and it's so much 
um it's just the whole th thing of america getting acclimated with this <clears throat> whole COVID thing yeah and for us like i said as a comedian myself i need a live audience to to know whether a joke work or not and that makes a lot of sense it, it does and like I'll tell you something that happened to me. I did a show in Forest, Forest, Forest Lake, Minnesota. I was with a friend and it was a bar show. I normally don't do bar shows, but my buddy, we real close. We played bar and all. He said, man, come on, man. He lives 10 minutes away. Come on, ride down with me to Forest Lake. It's not a bad drive. I said, all right, let's go, man. So we get in there and it's a bar show. And, and uh, I think he, what makes him good, his name is Kevin Kraft. He's a good friend of mine. What makes him good with these small towns because he used a Trump saying, he said, my comedy is like Trump. I'm going to say what I want, what I saw, when I want, how the fuck I want to. And they like, and they did, he get them all riled up and shit. <laughs> and then I get up and then I opened up for him. But, you know, we both headlines, but, you know, we're good friends. So I was doing this joke and about the mass. And I'll do a little bit. Of, I was saying to this guy, I was doing a joke how I have to wear a, a cloth mask, you know, because my mom said me said I gotta go to the store for her. She ain't vaccinated. I'm not vaccinated, whatever. So I was like, yeah, these masks, man. I'm tired of these masks. Ain't y'all tired of these masks? Everybody all, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, because my mask smelled like my ass and crept up to my mask, you know. <laughs> and then I'll be washing it, and you know, I got to wear it again. I said, hold on, there's still some ass left in here, so I got <laughs> gotta wash it again, and then uh. I said, this is a true story, y'all. I walked in the bank one day, forgot my mask because actually I didn't forget it. I was afraid to wear it. <laughs> so I walked in the bank. The lady stalled me. She gave me the fifth degree, man. She talked real bad to me. I told me, hey, you shouldn't be here with no mask on. COVID-19 is bad. It's disrespectful. All the patients. How you? How dare you come here with it? So, you know, I got a little mad. So I said, hey, lady, usually when a black man come in here with a mask on, all you <laughs> Oh, you motherfuckers jump to the floor. Don't act like this is some normal shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so she's like, well, I can't give you no money till you go back and get your mask. So I go back to the car, get my mask and my mask. So I'll come in and I walk up to her. She's still there. You know what she told me? She said, pull your mask down. I said, bitch, you just seen me. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, pull your mask down. You know, and then we get in a conversation and, and she's like, no, I, I, I still, I said, look, you just seen me. I said, what I got to do? Rob my account. <laughs> Don't push the button, but I'm robbing one, one, three, five, seven, zero, three. Give me all $11 out that bitch <laughs> right now. <laughs> she was like, she was like, well, you know, you, you still should have. I said, look, lady, I didn't have a mask on because like, you know what I mean? I didn't want to. You know, because you know, COVID, you know, it was new when I yeah. was. I didn't want to, you know, feel like a bank robber. She said, you know, uh, but still, it's just the rules. I said, I, she said, have you ever been in a bank robbery? I said, I have. I actually have. A black dude came in with a mask on. He robbed the bank. He robbed, he took everybody's wallet and everything, and he got to me. He said, I'm going to give you a pass. <laughs> And the other white people like, why he give you a pass? I said, I'm black, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so and then, you know, the police came, FBI, all that. Just, oh, and, then, uh, and then they start treating me like I was a suspect. Like, did you know, dude? Why he didn't? I'm like, look, I didn't know, dude. But if I, I wish he would have robbed me, took my $11. Goddamn. I, <laughs> I just, I didn't know, dude. I was like, he just gave me a pass because I was black. Know why he did that? I wish he would have robbed me now because I don't want to go home. <laughs> so, true story, you know. Dad, God, yeah, man. So, oh, so the rest of the story is I was at Forest Line late, right? So, after the show, white dude, I could feel his energy, his aura. He's looking at me, man. Like, I said, Hey, man, what's, what's up? What's your problem? Man? He said, Man, I don't like your comment. I said, That's cool. You ain't got to like it. Just respect well, why everything got to be black. And I said, What you mean, black or white? I write from my human experience. Why, why, why are you bringing up like, well, then he didn't go go say, why you can't be like Bill Cosby? And I was like, whoa, man, because I fucking don't want to be like Bill Cosby. Have you seen Bill Cosby lately? And are you a rapist? Because <laughs> that's what Bill's, you know, yeah, you know what I mean? I don't want to be like Bill. The black community don't even like Bill right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Bill is not, 
I mean, Bill was great with the, the TV shows and all that, but Bill had some twisted stuff going on. Oh, well, oh, because of the clean comedy. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Bill had some twisted stuff going on. So me and the dude was getting in an argument, right? And I was like, look, man, he's like, man, usually I want to fight. I said, no, you don't. I said, look, it ain't even worth it, man. I said, first of all, I don't want to fight you because my chi in me don't want to hurt you. <laughs> And his friends were like, man, I think you better leave him alone. You know what I mean? Because I was like, I started got serious. Like, dude, I don't want to fight you. Because yeah. if you put your hands on me, I told him, if you put your hands on me, then I'm going to return that energy back with equal and greater force, which is what I'm trained to do as a martial artist. You know? I don't like our, as a martial artist, our goal is to not fight. Yeah, 100% of the time. We don't want to. We don't want to engage with you. Your energy is bad. I told him. I said, man, your energy is bad, man. You should go home, watch some Bill Cosby. <laughs> <laughs> Leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> and then all the other people like, yeah, you're an asshole. You're an asshole. That happened to me like a few weeks ago, man, in Forest Lawn, and so I couldn't believe it. It's the first time somebody has ever came to me and said, I don't like your comedy. Why you can't be like Bill Cosby? I'm like, what the fuck? Really? <sighs> I can't so, imagine, and being an athlete, being a comedian, like anyone that has reached star status and then going to that level where you're compared, like, why can't you yeah, be like this? Yeah, yeah. It's heartbreaking because that is what society as a whole has kind of like tried to pigeonhole us into this, yeah. where we're trying to be like each other instead of being what we were yeah. created to be. Yeah. Yeah. Why is that not celebrated? Has it always been like, I'm, I'm younger. We're, I'm yeah. 20 years younger than you. I think. No, I'm, how old are you, man? No, wait. How old did you say you were? I'm 58. So, I'm my math sucks. I'm not 20 under 20 years old. My last guest was 27. Never mind. It doesn't matter. Anyway, the point is, and you're growing up. Has it always been that way, where you felt like there was some kind of pull from the media, society, to get you to be everything but what you are? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Because they they try to. They try to perpetuate the stereotypes that you have to be like this or that person to be successful in life. Well, really, the the the, the fact of the matter is, you should really just be yourself and who you are, and and evolve in in your own state of being of who you are, and you grow and be as happy as you can be. You know, like I said, my motto is to be better than my yesterday. So if I'm trying to be a better person every day, then I, that should be good enough. That's right. But to ask me to be like Bill Cosby after a show. I mean, you know, I could have took it and got angry. I'm like, no, I'm pretty calm, chill kind of guy. I'm like, no, man, you know, man, I just tweet. I'm like, dude, no, you don't, you don't want to fight, man. You don't want this cheap, man. Really? Because I'm gonna return the energy back with equal grade. You don't want that, man. I'm talking down. I don't want to fight. That actually sounds scarier than I'm going to stab your eyeballs out. <laughs> what you just said, like, oh man, we don't, you don't want to. That want to fight? I'm going to return it with equal. And like, yeah, you know. that sounds way more terrifying than you know all the other things you could say. Let me ask you this: so for comedy, like for you, you're a talented dude. You're very smart. You do a lot of research. You do a lot of studying. For you, with all this intellectual property that you've gained over the years, like all this knowledge, what do you want to do? Oh uh, well, I, I I need to come out. I need to really come back out. In a, in a more profound way. Like when I had the sketches, I was wild and out riff and ran. I didn't put a lot of substance into it. It's just, it's just me having fun, just mm -hmm. a young comic. Understand me in this way. I started comedy late in my life. My first year of comedy, I think I was 40, 41. So I've been in about 17, 18 years now. Over the last few <clears> years, I feel like I've earned the right and the appreciation for art form that allows me to say what I want to say. You know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, it, it, I don't understand cancer culture. Like, how can you cancel something on a premises that it's a joke? It's an art form. It's not, it's not, you know, you can't cancel an art form. You no. know what I mean? You can't edit it. Yeah, there are some comics that abuse it, you know, that have dark, uh, deranged material. There's nothing you can do about it. If you don't like a joke, get up and leave. But don't try to tell nobody how to do their, you know, what they can say and what they can't say. So that's the big thing that's going on. Um, I think for me, um, I think I really want to do a comedy special. I want to do a comedy album that I could stream live, 
I have a documentary that I want to complete called In Between Unknowns with me, Tony Woods. And then the documentary is called it's called In Between Unknowns with Artists and Athletes. Mm-hmm. So like you can take a, a, a known character and an unknown character and you give them the same type of open-end interview questions and you could do a comparison and contrast, but you can also narrow it down to specific things that develop their character on their journey. And so people can see the behind the scene process of what we go through. Like there are times where I was gonna quit stand up. It was in year five or six and, and I tell this story all the time. I went to Detroit Comedy Festival, probably my fourth or fifth comedy festival. I was nervous. And back then I was drinking. I've been sober for about eight years now. Congratulations. So thank you, thank you. And uh, I was nervous and I had, I was in the green room with Lewis Black and Kathleen Madigan. And I had some Hennessy and a Red Bull just you know, fidgety. And then Lewis said, hey, 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 man. Uh, where you from? So from Minneapolis, he said, uh, you ever work? Asked me, I said, yeah, every now and then. He said, uh, yeah, you know Lewis? I said, I don't really know. Said, yeah, that prick or whatever. <laughs> I don't know what he said. He said something, something crazy. They did. He said, how you feel? I said, I'm a little nervous. He said, look, man, just relax. Just what you do. I want you to go out and have fun. Don't think about nothing else. Deliver your material. Have fun. And, you know, and I did what he said. I went out and had fun. Probably one of the best sets I had that year in the festival. And that particular set got me a lot of work. That's just the advice. And then Kathleen, I, after I got done, and Kathleen, he said, oh, you killed. You you got something special. You should keep going. I said, thanks. You know, and, uh, But it was that moment where I, I felt challenged. Like, hey, if I don't do good, I'm done. And it did great. And it just, now it's just, how do I get uh, my stuff out there now? Like, I want a comedy special. I want a TV comedy special. And I realized I may have to produce it myself. And, and I discussed that with you about building a team and getting a crew and getting social media and then fundraise. And I found the theater and then now, and then I can also shoot in between unknowns because I have it for five hours both days. So I can do some behind the scene work early and uh, just shoot it, you know, <clears throat> and and then worry about how to, to find the showrunners or sell it, sell it to, uh, you know, uh, network later. But the first thing is just to get it in the can and come on out. How do you envision the comedy special to look? I I'm, I want to do a retro kind of old school thing. Like I want to, I think I want to have like build a set that has like old school kind of cotton club kind of thing, like black renaissance from New York. And I want to dress up, have fellas dress up, you know, we can put on maybe a tuxedo or some swank swank smooth suits and you know brands and you know take your brand off you come on stage if you want to leave it on but just i want to create like uh give homage to the old school comedians by taking it back and just because i'm a big fan of red fox oh yeah george carlin all the old greats uh uh, Don Rico's all the old Don Rico's is great. Yeah, I'm a big fan of all, and, and color it doesn't matter to me. You know what culture they come from. I'm just a big fan of great people who have a great hand on the art form. Dave. Uh, what about Joan Rivers? Joan Rivers was funny to me too. Yeah, yeah, I like Joan Rivers too. So I'm just a big fan of comedy too, um, and I'm a student of it. So I just want to take it back retro. And just and uh, <clears throat> just have fun, you know. And then, you know, the the the, the I don't want to do it like I, I the concept I have is a new concept for comedy. You know, like I said, you know, with maybe half an hour sets. Two ha- I do half an hour. Tony Woods and then Ellis Wynn. Uh, he's a friend of mine. He lives in Thousand Oaks, California. He's from Gary. Have him host, and then me and Tony do half an hour, and then boom. I'm just packaging as a as a really good good show, and then yeah, because I was influenced by um, Tony when I met him. Just just his positivity, and you know, Dave was influenced by Dave yeah. Chappelle. You've seen Mark Twain Award where he's called Tony Woods as Miles Davis. And so um, um, I'm hoping to meet Dave sometime. I think he comes to town this weekend. I'm trying to get tickets and slip back, stay, and hopefully meet, meet Dave Chappelle. 
anybody out there, I'm trying to meet him. <laughs> so I would love to meet him, Kevin Hart, you know, and uh, just sit and vibe and pick the brains. It's just, you know, like I said, I'm a student of the craft. Yeah. And, and, uh, and a lot of times, then here's the thing, Josh, a lot of times when you start uh, embracing an art form late in the game, like I didn't start in my 20s, I started early 40s. And, you know, you just want to, you want to grow, but you also want to, you want to like, you want to work with the greats too. Oh, of course. You know, like the, the, the day, the DL Hughley, the, all the great ones out there, you want to work with them too. Um, uh, one night I worked with Tom Green. Uh, one night I worked with uh, TJ Miller. I've worked with so many different comedians. And it's just it's just a joy to learn from each and every one of them to see how different their voice is. Because ultimately, comedy is about your point of view, your voice. Hmm. You know, you you know, you, for me, I have a lot to say. Yeah, uh, I experience a lot in life, so I have a lot to say from going to Africa to teacher classroom. I do a bit about you know, kid try to knock me out, and I accidentally <laughs> knocked him out. Yeah, <laughs> so they had no cameras back then. <laughs> but just life, you know, you have a lot to say, and and, um, and so I'm I'm gravitating toward uh, trying to understand, you know, the the greats, and 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 sometimes it's it's hard because you know they their mindset is to protect their or their energy. They don't want to a lot of times help or interact with people were coming up, you know, it's, and I understand why, you know, because so many people come at them and, and stuff like that. But then there are some people like myself who deserve, uh, you know, like I would love to meet Kevin Hart. He has laugh out loud, uh, channel. I would love to vibe with him <clears throat> and Dave and different people like that. Like I said, I'm, 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 I'm fortunate that Tony will, will want to do something like, like he, I, I wrote the film treatment and he likes it. And I'm fortunate that he, he, he wants to come on board and do it. That's what's very, up. I'm very fortunate. So, <clears throat> but it's a lot of work, man, trying to pull all this together. But Oh, it is. Uh, I can't do it by myself. That's why I was happy that you called and we we chopped it up, man. Yeah, I think that, I, first of all, being a fan of comedy, um, I, like it would be, for me, from as a producer, to put something together like this and help put it together is exciting to me. And we've got the network, and we've got all that stuff. That's the easy part. So I, I, I'm honored to help and contribute to this. And first of all, I think you're funny because I've watched a lot of your YouTube stuff. And the, the <clears throat> for the audience out there, uh, in the media kit that we publish on livemonoworldwide.org, uh, after every interview, you'll be able to see a lot of his comedy there. That'll be there in his links. I'm sorry, in, in the in the media kit that's created for KJ. Uh, you'll be able to see a lot of his stand up, and it's—I mean, it's funny. I, I've well, laughed you. my face off. I appreciate, I appreciate that. that. And I, you know, and I—I just—I appreciate you getting uh, you being candid and open and discussing a lot of areas that that are not about comedy. But I do feel like that that life experience is what contributes to comedy and why you do comedy. Absolutely. And I love that. Um, so, last question: What advice or maybe even wisdom that you've been given from someone that you looked up to have has stuck with you that you would like to share? I think the main thing is enjoy this whole process. When you doing stand up, be in the moment. You can't, you have to be fiercely in that moment and embrace it. You can't don't allow people to dictate who you are and what you say. And, and your point of view, because people will try to uh, mold or influence you in a way or tell you you can't do this bit or that bit or whatever. I think the most important thing is to be fearless with it. Mm. To be, it's like if you live your life and you understand, like, you know, learning, like what death is, it's like death is basically you die before you die. You learn that you, you, you can learn, you know, but comedy is like you can't be afraid to make people uncomfortable or to die or bomb on stage. That's where the fearlessness come in. Yeah. You, you can't be afraid because if a bit don't work. When I say one thing I've learned about comedy and young comics don't understand, like, look, if a bit doesn't work, you gotta be 
as just as appreciative as a bit that does work. So tell tell everybody why. I think I know where you're going with this, but please. Because if you won't learn unless you embrace that process of a difficult bit landing on his ass or bombing, you you gotta go through that. You gotta take it back to the lab, tweak it, whatever, redevelop it, and come back with it. Don't give up on it. If it's a great bit, it's I hear there are professional comedians, uh, Jerry Seinfeld, he had worked on a bit for seven years before he got it right. Seven years, now that's determination. Yeah. That's commitment. For a bit. For one bit. For one bit. One bit. So so I would say stay committed uh, to a bit uh, and then don't ever give up on it. Like it's going to, the first beginning process is going to make people uncomfortable. That's where fearless come in. So when it's going well, you're fiercely happy. People are <laughs> people riding with you. But when it ain't, you got to be just as cool, just as happy with that whole process when it ain't. And and and, and the fun thing about it, when new bits develop and they become great, you appreciate that process so well. I mean, because I mean, I love working on new bits. Matter of fact, I'm working on some new bits tonight about how uh, my wife, who father was a mechanic, taught her how to fix on cars. And I used to feel embarrassed because like the other day she flipped up the Lincoln and I'm standing there like a mechanical assistant. I said, what you need? You need a ranch or a screwdriver? What you want a flathead or a filler? I'm a, I'm a fucking mechanical assistant right here. She up under there. <laughs> putting in a goddamn alternator and shit. I'm like, you a bad girl. <laughs> I feel that way with my wife about most things around the house. You know, like, you know, she's she got mechanical skill. My father <laughs> taught me how to change the oil and, and that's but fix a flat, but that's about it. But she can can take out an alternator. <laughs> I can't <laughs> I'm sitting there like, man, I feel like the biggest bitch in the world, bro. <laughs> I'm sitting there like, how you gonna how, how you doing? She's like, you know, my dad was a mechanic, and uh, she be fixing uh-huh. all kind of stuff, man, around the house and stuff. So I have no mechanical skills. I just sit there like, what you need? You want me? And then, you know, like, we have a food truck. And so I had a, it's another bit I'm working on. Like, I, I employee didn't show up for the food truck, which is a family business. Basically, uh, the grandson didn't show up. So I had to fill in. Oh, man, she cracked the whip on. She treated she, she treated me like a slave, man. Uh, like, take the order. Okay, make the smoothie. Okay, hand me the containers. Okay, pick that up. All right, uh, give her the right. Ch- you giving out too much money. You got to. <laughs> she cracked a whip on me, man. And I was like, babe, you you giving me too much to do. You making you making me feel like a slave on this truck, you know? I was like, I'm finna run out here and find Harriet Tubman and get me some freedom. <laughs> I like, you cracking the whip too hard. I like, babe, can I fire myself? She said, no, we got two more hours. <laughs> Cause I wanted to quit. It's just like, hey, in there. I was like, well, you got to give me some positive courage. You just, you too direct. I don't want to do this no more. It's like, we got through it. I was like, babe. I, I understand. I have a great appreciation for the food industry, but I'm not equipped because I was getting a little inside my feelings because the lady was being impatient. And I order up, yeah, like, hey, good food, take time. Lady got to be patient. She take it too. I'm like, hey, and the babe, this lady here want her money back. And my wife, like, well, you don't get no refund. <laughs> and I'm like, whoa, boy, this is too intense for me, man. So I was like, but that's her policy, you know, because, you know, her, her truck food trucks, they say these taste of love, great food takes time. And I get it. But people are so impatient, man. I'm like, oh, man, I don't know if I can do this. I can't do this no more. I ain't going to lie. <laughs> I can't do this no more. I was like, you got to get your grandson, get our grandson. I can't do this. This is just too much. It's too intense. I said, hey. I, you know, I'm better on stage. <laughs> like, but anyway, but it's a bit I'm working on because, yeah, because I felt like, yeah, she she cracked the whip on me. Like, <laughs> she really, she's like, she's telling her girlfriend, yeah, KJ, you know, he 
he got overwhelmed. <laughs> she like, he can't handle it. You know, she's like, hey, you're talking bad about somebody who stepped in for an employee didn't show up. You need to give me some credit. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, you did. You know, right. And then, <laughs> and then I ain't earned a dime. <laughs> I didn't get paid nothing. Well, you know, it's in the household. So I was like, all right, man, all right, whatever. But I don't want to do it no more. I don't blame you. I wouldn't either. I love you, baby. <laughs> and I invested in it. You know, I, my money is invested in the truck to help her get it. I invested in it. You know, like, I don't do the work, but I, <laughs> I'll help you buy supplies or whatever. But no, keep me off the truck. You know, the food is great, though. But no. Where can they find the food truck? She's all over, man. She has a page called Sadie's Taste of Love, man. Sadie's she, Taste of Love. Yeah, and she does vegan food, and she does um, she does uh, her her best sellers is smoked turkey burger uh, with gouda cheese, and it's got less tomato onion. She does a burger from heaven beyond meat. With that didn't sound very vegan. What's that? No, she. It's not all vegan. Oh, okay. It's I was like vegan. that didn't sound vegan at all. She got vegan items. That's what oh, I'm gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, some vegan items. But her one of her best sellers is smoked turkey and then uh her uh, uh salmon croquette burger like if you like salmon croquettes like ooh, it comes with a fried egg and oh yeah less tomato oh yeah oh it's fire because i eat fish like i'm a vegan five days a week and two days a week i, I eat fish i'm not a perfect i don't have a perfect <laughs> diet but it works for me so <laughs> i don't care you know I me mean? but the burger from heaven is the one that i that's my name i named that burger it's called a burger from heaven. It's a beyond meat, gouda cheese, less maize on you, barbecue sauce, vegan mayo, gluten free <clears> bun. <throat> if you want gluten free bun, you get whatever bun. But it's the bun is toasted with olive oil. And then she got a special little season, <laughs> season on it. Uh, I'm like, oh, this tastes like a real burger here. You know, <laughs> we call it a burger from heaven. I like that. The beyond meat is sneaky good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I it like is. it. It is. So, oh. yeah. So it's, she doing her thing, man. I'm just, Getting out the way, man. Like, <laughs> I I understand that completely. I got to get out of my wife's way too. The um, because you know she knows what she's doing. She don't need me no, until wife, she needs me. My wife's a chef, man, so I'm very fortunate. You know that's why one day my son was like, "You need to stand up to her." I'm like, "No, the last time I did, I ate sardines for two weeks, man. Like, <laughs> you need to get on out of here." Why is he? That's my slave. That's my master. You, you need to get on out of here. She treats me good, you know. Oh, no. <laughs> it's like myself, like she treats you like a slave. I said, that's all right. You just need to get on out of here. I like my little you know, three meals a day. You need to go. <laughs> so I'm just playing, man. I don't know why he's a slave thing, but <laughs> well, it's all right. Um, so how if for the audience out there, how can they find you and how can they support what you're doing? Uh, you can find me on uh, social media at um, KJY the Comedian on IG, KJY the Comedian. I have a fan page on Facebook um, and Twitter, the same handle, KJ, J, the, the J is spelled out, J. It's all together, KJY the Comedian on Twitter. I have a page, a website, www.kjthecomedian.com, and my personal Fan uh, Facebook page. It's my real name, Kaliki Javay, K E L E C H I, first name, last name, J, two A's in a row, V A I D. You can find me there. But yeah, I prefer you just hit me on the on the fan page because I need to build it up. I don't have enough fans. I barely, I don't know why I didn't brand. Like I said, when I had all the millions of hit, I didn't know what I was doing. Y'all, I was just, now I, I got to understand. I'm trying to learn how to embrace social media um, as fun. Like I'm not. <laughs> no, it's hard because I'm giving. I'm on a detox right now. Thirty yeah. days, no Facebook, and people. I don't I, blame you. I, I looked on my little phone. And I got ninety some comments or notifications. I'm not touching it until after November twenty fourth. You know, but I need that break because it allows me <clears> to write more. Yeah, and social media can be a huge distraction when you're driven and you want to accomplish things in life. Need to get off of it and just boom, so you can focus, you know, yeah, concentrate and focus. So, I'm not on it right now. But if you do leave messages, I do check the message. I check messenger. If you DM me on ITKJ, the comedian, I do check the message. I just not, I'm just not ready to comment right now. I need this break, um, yeah, just so I can continue to stay on path. I'm, I'm due for one coming up here soon. 
Again, you understand another, what I'm saying. Oh, I did it for I. It was a only a week the first time, uh, but after a week, I was like, yeah, I need to keep going, and I did. Yeah. It was the best thing in the world for me, and I shifted my addiction a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I'm due for another one. I just it, it's it's time. It is a distraction, and it's and it's little because yeah. people talk about like texting and driving, like oh, I can text and drive because mm-hmm. I'm just doing this, right? Yeah. But when you're a creative, shifting your attention that long, yeah. So this is the same thing as looking yeah. at a text message, yeah. looking at a post that yeah. someone commented, looking there. Those little seconds that you do is enough to shift yeah. thinking. You could be in the middle of getting a download or yeah. something. Yeah. So yeah, I, I support what you're saying 100. percent Yeah. It's it's just it's it's you know it's very toxic sometimes, man. Oh. The stuff people put on there it's just overwhelming, man. And like if you like, I don't even watch news, Joshua. I'm I'm, I'm done. No one should. <laughs> I, I, I can't do it right now because. You have to protect your own energy or you can't overwhelm yourself with so much to be indoctrinated with so much of the world stuff, man. And every time you listen to it, it's always something bad mm-hmm. happening. And I'm like, well, why don't the news ever perpetuate some positive stuff? And it's like they, they're in this low vibration cycle and, and it doesn't help the human psyche to be participating yeah. in this stuff on a daily basis because then you create anxiety for yourself. You create mental health issues for yourself you create problems for yourself when you can focus on being a solution to life by being a light being positive and doing something sometimes you just gotta check out you just got for me i'd rather be writing than listening uh uh you know so murders and, 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 and drive-by gunshot yeah, yeah, yeah. overdose so, covid yeah. death i won't yeah. even watch violent movies before i go to bed i watch comedy before i go to bed i won't watch anything that's violent. You don't want anything to disrupt disrupt your sleep. So no. you want something that, you know, like we talked about, them happy chemicals coming out before you go to bed. You go to bed laughing, smiling, and you wake up excited. And mm-hmm. like I, I try to wake up. Yeah. I'm excited. If I'm on what? Oh, I got another. Hey, I got an opportunity of life. I'm excited. You yeah. know, because boom, I you know, creator didn't have to wake me up. I'm excited when I get up, man. I got some. Oh, I could. I'd be better than my yesterdays. I love that, man. You know what I mean? KJ, thank you, man. Oh, I appreciate you, man. it. God bless you. Thank you for being God here. God bless you, too. Appreciate Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, KJ, the comedian, <laughs> thank you guys so much for being a part of this. Um, yeah, this was great. Appreciate it. I appreciate it. Be, be looking out for big things from KJ, the comedian. Uh, we, I'm really excited about this event. Oh, me too, man. That's going to be I'm awesome. I'm glad you're on the team, too. Yeah. I need you, man. This is going to be fun. Yes. This is going to be fun. All right, you guys, God bless you. See you next time. Thank you. This is one of those things where you don't have someone to hit the off button for you. Do it yourself.